The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. I'm Adam. And today we've got another album review for you. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one because this is a kind of a best of CD almost, mm-hmm. and it's a live one. I can't remember. Have we done a live one already? Oh man, I feel like we had, and now it's now I have a. Uh... I mean, we we did we did Yanni live at the Acropolis. Yes, you're right. That was a, yeah. Yep, very true. Um, which, incidentally, the last time I looked at them is our second most listened to album review. Whoa, people love them some Yanni. Behind Nirvana Nevermind, and the last time I checked, which was a couple days ago, it was only behind by one listen. Whoa, that's really cool. So <laughs> maybe, maybe there's some more Yanni fans out there than we knew. Or maybe they just like hearing us talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Either way, it's fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with either one. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard that one, you really should go listen to it. Yep. All right, so we are going to be doing the album Rock Spectacle from the band Bare Naked Ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, most people are going to be familiar with Bare Naked Ladies from their song One Week, which was everywhere in the early 2000s. Uh, yeah, it might have been even late. It might have been late 90s when it came out. I don't remember exactly. Maybe like 98, I want to say 98. Actually, I do know because I wrote down uh, One Week, the song that blew <laughs> them up in the U.S. came out in 1998. Uh, it was okay. number one. So yeah, but it probably it, it felt like it lasted for a decade. <laughs> like, yes, it did. It was all over the radio. It was uh, ridiculous. Yes, and it was you know it was a, a good song, but not at all one of my bare naked lady favorites. No, I don't even know if it would make a top twenty bare favorite bare naked ladies <laughs> songs. I kind of agree. I mean, it's a it's you know it's a fun song, but and maybe it just. Maybe it was just oversaturated, which is why I don't particularly like it so much. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they don't like it so much. Yeah. Well, I don't know. As we're going to see with a lot of Bare Naked, at least with this album, um, and I mm-hmm. think even some of those, because this actually kind of sparked me to listen to some of their other albums that I have, but they have yeah. a lot more intelligent lyrics than I think a lot of people give them credit for. They're yes. they're known for just being like a silly band. That's what a lot of people kind of re- designate them to, but they're much more than that, and they've got some really good lyrics and some really smart um, and well-written songs to where, yeah. you know, something like One Week, which is just kind of like a silly romp song, doesn't do it for me like a lot of their other stuff. Uh, this was their band's first live album. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out in November 19th of 1996 and was recorded uh, over the course of uh, about a month uh, earlier that year between April and May. Um, in various places in Chicago, uh, Olympia, Washington, Montreal, just places they were touring at the time. Uh, and it is produced by, and I'm going to butcher this guy's name, uh, Michael Philip Wojiwada. Hmm. <laughs> um, it's produ- produced a lot of Canadian bands. Okay. So not really ones I was overly familiar with. Nickelback? Uh, no. Oh, not okay. Them. Mostly indie indie rock bands. Oh, uh, okay. Mostly indie rock bands, so... Uh, but I mean, it's a, it's a live album, so he did a very good job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. The personnel list on the album are Stephen Page, uh, who is vocals and guitars, who I believe has since left the band. 
I'm not sure he's back yet. He's, I mean, I can't remember if it's just been once, but I feel like he's been in and out and in and out of the band or something like that, like yeah, a couple I, times. I do know that um, they got a, a big a Juno Award, which is kind of like the Canadian Music Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a big Juno, like a lifetime achievement or something, and he came back to play with them for that. Oh, cool. Um, that was only that was only a couple years ago. Um, I saw them live. Probably two years ago, my wife and I came to see them when they came to town, and he was not with them at that time. Okay. That's a shame. So, because it is a shame. I'm going to be straight up. He's my favorite singer between the two. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I like the sound of his, his the yeah. tone of his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ed Robertson, who is the other lead singer and does guitar, uh, Jim uh, Cregan plays bass, Tyler Stewart plays drums, and Kevin Hearn plays keyboards. Mm-hmm. All of the all of the members uh, do vocals of some kind, either backing or lead, and that does lead to very nice and full vocal harmonies on a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can get if you can get a whole band where everyone can sing, uh, this is a band. I equate this band to Weird Al Yankovic in this hmm. in this aspect. A lot of people see their music as sort of novelty, almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not quite parody, but kind of in that same vein. I think they're like, oh, they're just a goofy band. Yeah. If you listen to their music, they are so smart. Mm-hmm. They're so musically adept. They are very talented musicians, and it plays out really, really well in this live album because you really kind of see the virtuosity of a lot of their playing in the live album, which you don't always get with with studio albums because sometimes the studio stuff is kind of broken down to its bare bones to make it easier for people to listen to on the radio and that sort of thing. So this is, and and I think Weird Al gets the same thing where people underestimate Mm -hmm. the musicality of that man and how how good of a musician he really is. And I feel it's the same same thing with them. And I also agree, yes, with some of their other ones, like the smart, uh, you know, the intelligence of their lyrics. Mm Uh, how how good they really are at that sort of thing. Do you have anything you want to add about the album? Uh, yeah. The the only other kind of things that I also wanted to mention was this uh, this live album was certified platinum in the U.S., so it sold over mm-hmm. a million copies. And this was kind of like their first, you know, major success in the U.S. At least, or first success in the U.S. One week is what really blew them up in the U.S. But yeah, this one was at least popular enough getting platinum. Um, it hit number 86 on the Billboard 200 album chart as well. So, yeah, I mean, this was this was kind of like they're dipping the toe into America. And then they went, you know, whole yeah. hog jumped in with uh, one week later. All right. I think that is everything mm-hmm. about the album. I'm ready to jump in. We got 13 tracks or no, we got uh, excuse me. We have 11 tracks. That we that we know of, oh, such a '90s thing to do. Yeah, it is it's a horribly '90s thing. <laughs> uh, all right, and let's jump off with the first song on the album, which is called "Brian Wilson." Lying 
Um, this was actually this was a song when I first started listening to the album. I didn't particularly like mm. something about it. Just didn't jar well with me. But since then, um, I can appreciate it more. First of all, you can kind of appreciate the dark humor. Yeah. About, about the song being written around uh, Brian Wilson, who was uh, kind of the leader of the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. He really was kind of the musical genius behind that band. Um, and the kind of like mental and drug problems that he had later. Exactly. I mean, the, it, it it contrasts each other. The song is fun. Yeah. It's vibrant. But what they're talking about, they're not like just talking about Brian Wilson, but they're, they're, they're mentioning Brian Wilson, basically, and, and kind of showing parallels between whoever the narrator of the song is, you know, lying in bed, just mm-hmm. like Brian Wilson did, you know, uh, the, whoever is, they're dealing with similar stuff to Brian Wilson, which, you know, as you mentioned, he dealt with mental illness and some drug issues. Um, and even, even that line, you know, oh, uh, going to the records or whatever, whatever it is, I, you know, to the, went to the late night record shop, call it compulsion, call it insane, call it crazy, call it insane. Like it, this guy has right. like some kind of mental illness or, you know, some kind of like maybe OCD or something where he just has to go get new records. Um, and he's like lying in bed listening to them or something. And maybe, maybe one of them was a beach boy album and he's tied, he's kind of paralleling his life to Brian Wilson. Um, I mean, I, you, you called out, they're a smart band and they are, SAT words like crazy and just like some of the stuff I want to I want to call out this line right here. Um, it's a matter of instinct. It's a matter of conditioning. It's a matter of fact. You can call me Pavlov's dog. Ring a bell and I'll salivate. How do how uh, how do you like that, Doctor Landy? Tell me you're not just a pedagogue. Like holy shit! I mean, there's a lot yeah. of of intelligence there. Doctor Landy was apparently the um, psychologist that diagnosed Brian Wilson. Um, so they're they're oh, okay. tying a lot of that stuff in, uh, but yeah, just like I, I mean, I have to have like a, a fucking dictionary to go through and really find out what some of these <laughs> lyrics mean. But like, that's in a good way, you know. It's yeah. uh, it's really cool. Apparently, Stephen Page wrote this when he was about twenty years old. Oh wow, very cool. Uh, the band had been around since about nineteen eighty eight, so probably mm-hmm. probably formed maybe in high school or around mm-hmm. then. So sounds like about when they were like eight, seventeen, eighteen years old. Yeah. Put the band together and they've kind of grown together. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's really, I mean, it's really, really. I enjoy this song. I've always kind of liked this one, um, but you know, reading up more about it, I'm kind of getting some more appreciation to it. And um, in the year 2000, Brian Wilson actually did a cover of this song, like kind of like a shortened cover version uh, on his album Live at the Roxy, which I listened to. It's not nearly as good, but it's still right. kind of cool. <laughs> Wondering where the hell all the love has gone Playing my piano and building castles in the sun And singing fun, fun, fun Lying in bed like Brian Wilson did Lying in bed like Brian Wilson did Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know it's it's funny and and it's cool that he would he would choose to do that. Yeah. So yeah, no. Brian Wilson starts us off. Uh, I think a good a lot of energy song for this album. Well, let's move on to the next song, which is called "Straw Hat and an Old Dirty Hank." I tell the wheat fields that make you bread. I bind the sweet field, pluck the hens that make you bread. Come 
And this may be a surprise. Um, this is probably my favorite song on the album. Kind of, but this is a great song. I mean, it's so fun. It's so seemingly happy and poppy. Yes, and but the the reason for how much I, for what I like the song is for the music. It's for mm. what they're doing in the background, mm. listening to these really cool, almost jazz like chords that are being played on guitar. They're not quite. Full. There's there's definitely something added. There's something mm. there. And this is the music nerd in me, which is what <laughs> which is loving this song. The the breathing sounds, the the articulated, uh, syncopated breathing sounds that they're doing sort of at the beginning, the ha, ha, mm-hmm. and they're not all doing it at the same time. So you're getting this cool rhythmic thing going on underneath what is going on. So like this whole song, I love it. I love the lyrics. I love the singing. But everything that's going on in the background in this song is uh-huh. what draws me to it. Nice. That's very cool. Um, yeah. Like listening to this song, man, um, this, I love this fucking album, and it's gonna—I don't think <laughs> by the end of us talking about it, I'm gonna not be able to just say how much I love it. So right. blah, there we go. But even just listening to the second song already, I'm like, damn, I don't know if I'm gonna have a bad word to say about any of this song. <laughs> any of the songs on this <laughs> so good. Uh, something that I found that was really—I thought was pretty cool. So this song was inspired by the true story of Robert. Keeling. He was a Saskatchewan, he was a Saskatchewan wheat farmer who became obsessed with the popular Canadian singer Anne Murray in the mid-70s. And he made repeated attempts to meet her, resulting in a restraining order and about 30 court appearances. So, like, you know, the whole the I am a farmer, I work in the fields, and he's like, you know, yeah, don't need to love her, or like trying to, you know, he's he's upset. It's a farmer who loves someone, but that's that's what uh, brought about this song i think that's it's really cool like you look into the lyrics and you're like oh no this is yeah. not really like a a good love story this is this is a creep story <laughs> see that's funny because i've actually i've always gotten kind of a creep vibe from uh, the song okay i've always kind of felt like okay there's some like weird like stalking vibe going yep. on in this song yep. which now makes much more sense mm-hmm um, I have. I always like the the chorus. It, it, it just seems like it's silly. Like who would sing about you know, like I'm a farmer, but yeah. you know. But uh, it really does work. It does. Yeah, man. I mean, they move too. Like, um, yeah, it, it, exactly. It's 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 uplifting, but it's groovy. Like I find myself just kind of snapping my finger, you know, and, I, and I'm just I'm I'm yeah. happy. I feel better listening to these songs, and and particularly this one. One thing about this band that I, I love is whenever you listen, when you go back and listen to this album again, which I, I'm, I'm hoping you'll inevitably do. I, I this uh, is this is in my rotation. Like I listen to this yeah. one at, I don't know, uh, yeah, it, it's it's in there. <laughs> it's in there. When you go back, when the next time you listen to the songs, listen to kind of each instrument. Try to isolate in your ears, like, okay, what is the drummer doing here? What is the bassist doing here? You know, what are the keyboards doing here? Because they're all doing things that are adding to the whole, and I think if you took them out, would take a lot away. I mean, yes, you can take a lot of these songs, a lot of songs, well, just a lot of any song. You can play, you know, just one person with a guitar and, and, and voice, you can do that. But when you're listening to them play live, you know, uh, the way that um, uh, Jim Keegan plays the bass, 
Mm-hmm. He's very intricate, and he reminds me a lot of, and I can never remember this, the guy's name, but the guy who's the bass player for Dave Matthews' band. Oh, that yeah. That kid is so good, he is. but he's he's not in the forefront. He's not mm-hmm. one of those, you know, he's not one of those players where, where you know, just your 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 layman listener is going to be like, oh, that's the greatest thing ever. But if you're if you're really listening to what he's playing, you're like, that is fucking amazing, mm, cool. what he's doing. And it's the same thing with uh, with uh, Jim Keegan here with with Bare Naked Ladies. What he's what he's playing in a lot of these songs, and I'm not specifically uh, you know singling this one out. I just happen to be we just happen to be mentioning this song when I'm talking about it. What he's playing is really really good. He's a very a very virtuosic and technical bass player. And it's fun to watch him play because he smiles the whole damn time. <laughs> and I know this because I saw them live. He's very entertaining to watch. Hmm. Like, he really gets into it. But it's really cool what he's doing. Very nice. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, and it's called Break Your Heart. This is um, this one is it's kind of one that I kind of go up and down. Sometimes I'm in the mood for it. Sometimes I'm not. It's just, it's a slower ballad. It definitely slows things down uh, big time comparatively yeah. to the f- to the first two songs of this album. But you know that's something that we've talked about multiple times. I appreciate a bit of a roller coaster with my albums and and a, and a yeah. proper flow. And and they do a great job with this album, in my opinion, where you're kind of getting some faster stuff and then you you slow it down and then you kind of maybe you ramp up a little bit or you go real slower, whatever. This song, um, I, I really like the the prettiness to the song. I think there's also a prettiness to Stephen Page's voice in this song that works really well with mm-hmm. it. It's, you know, it, this is a ballad. This is this is a breakup song. You know, it's breaking someone's heart. Yeah. Uh, this is about a guy who he kind of mentions that he never loved this person and, you know, it's also kind of it's 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 harsh. He's very harsh talking to this this one person about how much, you know, what I never should have, you know, stayed in touch. I never should have or I never should have like, you know, told you I love you and all this kind of shit, but I didn't want to break your heart. So it's just kind of like, kind of like a dick move, you know, why you stayed <laughs> on a relationship. And then at one point yeah. it kind of flips to her perspective and she's just like basically saying, fuck you, I'll be fine. You know, you're such a dick for, for thinking that I'm weak. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I love when you get, there's a, an emotion in like, a, I think it's like the start of like the, maybe the last verse or something where Stephen Page just kind of like belts out like this. Just, it's just he uses big vocals. Uh, yeah, I, you know, you know the spot I'm talking about, but I can't, I can't really like where he's kind of talking about the guy, like, and I'm over you and all this stuff. But he, he really lets his emotion shine in yeah. that portion and in in and in his voice. And so, again, I, I'm with you. With this is not probably my favorite. Definitely not my favorite on the album. And it's maybe right. maybe right in the middle or maybe on the lower half. But yeah. When you feel like you want to listen to this song or when you're feeling for it, it really gets yeah. you into a different spot. 
I, I would totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope this is the same song I'm thinking of. There's a spot, I think, in this song where they have kind of a, a rhythmic hemiola going on where it's kind of a ba 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 with the vocals over oh, yeah. kind of was dun 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and there's a, it's, just, it's stupid, but there's one little spot where they kind of, they hit for a long note and then you hear the organ go ba da 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 And every time, like, that's my favorite part of the song. Uh. It's like this one little spot where the organ like does this little trill thing. I don't know. It's, it's these the little touches that these musicians are doing. Yeah. On on top of everything that I think really adds to uh, what they have. Yeah. Let's go on to the next one, which is called Jane. I bring her gold and frankincense and So admittedly, this if I had to pick a least favorite song in the album, this might be it. I said the exact same thing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said, you know, this is a nice song, but probably yeah. my least favorite on the album. Not saying I don't like the song. Right. I like the song just fine, but if I had, if you made me order it, Jane would probably come near the end. It's an okay song. It's you know, it's easy to listen to. It's it's uh, you know, there's nothing wrong in the song. There's the lyrics are fine. The music is fine. It just doesn't take me anywhere. Yeah, uh, Stephen Page apparently mentioned that the uh, the name you know Jane St. Clair came from the co-writer of the song, uh, Stephen Duffy. He had a crush on a girl who worked at a health food store near Stephen's house. And he came up with that name after seeing the intersection of Jane Street and St. Clair Street. So Jane St. Clair um, on a map of Toronto. Wow. And apparently Duffy remarked that it sounded like the most beautiful intersection in the world. Um, but according to Stephen Page, it is not a very good intersection. <laughs> it's yeah, not very nice. Uh, just kind of a funny little thing. But yeah, it's it's about, you know, having a crush on a girl pretty much in, in, in mm-hmm. this beautiful kind of you know, person Jane that he likes so much. Um, yeah. It's cute. Yeah, it's... So I was going to say, Stephen Duffy was a founding member of Duran Duran. Really? Yeah. I had no he idea. He's one of the founding members. Huh. That's awesome. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, no. That's cool. I just, I had no idea who that guy was. I was just like, yeah, maybe he's just a friend of his or that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty awesome. But yeah, Jane, it's a, it's a, it's a fun little filler song for this album. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. not, it's not anything special. It's not one that I at all... Um, really reach out to listen to. Yeah, but I but I don't skip I it again. I certainly don't skip it. I, I don't skip any of the ones in this. I like to listen to this one. Again, we tend to pick albums that we, we know we're going to yeah. like mostly the album all the way through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, this is definitely one where I, you know, I, when I listen to it, I just like to put it on, let it run mm-hmm. all the way through with no yeah. problems. And this is this is one of those albums, you know, with me, like, like a Graceland, like... Uh, um. Just a lot of different albums where, or, or Green Day Dookie, where if I put it on at the top, 
I pretty much don't stop it until I've listened to, you know, I, I, I will put this album on if I'm going grocery shopping and so I can just kind of listen yeah. to the whole thing while I'm, you know, going up and down or if I'm yep. going on a long walk, that kind of stuff. This is just a, a great Incidentally, album. I listened to this album while I was grocery shopping. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> Mostly because I just don't like to talk to people when I'm grocery shopping anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I did my notes for this one like in uh, one night. And then the next morning I had to go to the grocery store and I was like, you know what? I want to listen to that again. And so I also listened to it on the grocery <laughs> store. And then when I finished with this album, I switched to another Bare Naked Ladies album that I had. <laughs> so Ah, nice. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Let's move on to the next song, which is called When I Fall. Look straight in the boardroom. A modern pharaoh's tomb. Gladly swap places if they care to die. They'll line up at the window, peer down into limbo, frightened of jumping in case they survive. I wish I could step from this scaffold onto soft shopping malls old bed with my family and my pastor and my grandfather who's dead I look straight in the mirror so I remember when I was younger um, kind of how you kind of mentioned how you felt about the song break your heart that was sort of how I felt about this song mm -hmm. this was sort of like when I was in a mood when I Fall was like the song I go to. Yeah. Uh, this is the first one where we hear Ed Robertson singing lead. And I will say, um, I do like, both of their voices sort of complement each other, I think. Mm -hmm. what, I think what works really well with this. I would say Ed Robertson maybe has the more polished voice, the most okay. refined voice. Um, he de He's a little bit more articulate in the way he sings. I think he's a bit clear. And that's, I don't know if this is a factor, but that might have been why songs like one week blew up so much because he's the lead on it. Mm -hmm. um, I know like Pinch Me was another one that got pretty popular. It was not yeah. huge, but it got pretty popular. And he was also the lead on that one. Yes, yes, he was. Um, and so that is, it's possible that that may have been a reason why. However, um, I think the two of them together are what create the, such a unique sound vocally in this band. And I, I don't... I. I don't like having one without the other. I didn't. I knew I wasn't going to like seeing them without mm -hmm. Stephen Page, and they were great, but it, it was it was missing something. Yeah, it was missing yeah. something without him. They 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 help fill each other out, and similarly, as I mentioned before, I probably prefer Stephen Page's voice, but mm -hmm. by far, this is my favorite song on the entire album. Okay, I love this song, and it is very much that same kind of thing. This is this is one of those songs, when we have them, I listen to them and I can kind of go inside myself and just kind of sit and soak and just kind of think about who I am and who I want to be or any of that kind of stuff or you know any of that stuff. This is um, this is this is just one of those great out great songs and it's easily my most yeah. played song on the entire album. Okay, it, it's really interesting when I kind of go through the lyrics on this one and I really listen to it. To me, I'm getting vibes of hey, it's a it's a like a kind of like a, a, a high rise um, window washer who's contemplating suicide. That's what yeah. I get when I look at those lyrics. But you again, some of the intelligence. I love, love, love the line. 
it's 9.8 straight down. I can't stop my knees. So 9.8 is referring to 9.8 meters per second squared, which is the acceleration of gravity. So this mean he's talking about jumping off and, and having gravity take him down. Like there's yeah. there's a lot of that things that where I just, you know, you listen to it and you're just like, whoa. I mean, I, I, I don't I've never contemplated suicide myself, but I'm sure that there are people who mm-hmm. ha- I know there are people who have. Um, yeah. And this is a song that I just, you know, I, I will listen to it and I just. I kind of want to go on a walk by myself and just kind of think. And I, I absolutely yeah. fucking adore it. And, and Ed Robertson has a great singing voice for it. And it is funny yeah. that I prefer the other ones. But I'm with you. Without, like, the harmonies filling out from Stephen behind him or, or Ed filling out Stephen on his main songs, it's not right. the same. And so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I adore when I fall. All right, I don't I don't think I could have added any anything okay. more poignant to that. So cool. Uh, let's move on to the next one, which is called "Hello City." Second night at the warehouse, and my cap turtleneck just streaks. From the liquor room upstairs to the change room to the dim and gloom of the hotel room. I think this seaside bear hall should sink into the bay. A hello city, you found an enemy in me. Adam, this might surprise you. Uh, if I had to pick a second least favorite song <laughs> on this album, it would probably be Hello City. No, that Which actually, is funny that, because, yeah. what's funny is because is I actually appreciate the music that they're playing and the style, and I kind of like the little sort of jazzy hip thing that they got there going there, but for some reason this song has never spoken to me. Um, yeah. Do you know what city they're talking about? And I've heard which one. I don't want to hear if you have heard the same thing. Uh, I did because I, I mean I looked up some like some of the meaning for it. Apparently, it's about Halifax. Mm. Oh, see, I heard something different. Oh, okay. What did you hear? I heard it. I heard it was about Boston. But oh, okay. Your yours might. I heard mine from a secondhand source, and okay. so yours might be more correct. I mean, I got mine from the internet, and who the fuck knows <laughs> how true that is. Um, I got but, mine from a person, and who knows if they were right. So. Okay. So, allegedly, it was um, inspired by the band's kind of, like, early and kind of really bad shows that they had in Halifax. And okay. uh, in 19, apparently, like, in around 1990, where basically they were booed off stage, and they hated the city. And it was just like a – it was just a dump of a city, and they felt like everybody was angry and assholes. Um, and mm-hmm. so, also, apparently, Hello City is also the nickname or is a nickname for Halifax. Um, okay, so, well, that, that 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 leads me to believe you are correct. So okay. We'll go with Halifax. So, which is Halifax is in Nova Scotia in Canada. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, it's got, I love that line, Hello City, you found an enemy in me. Like, again, they're doing that <laughs> contrast, which is so cool, where it's like, you know, hey, this is a fun kind of just, you know, a bop, yeah, boppy kind of fun song. I'm with you. This is this is definitely on my second half fate of the of, yeah. uh, of the songs but it's still enjoyable um yeah but it is they're they're contrasting here's this kind of like fun little song that we got where we're like it's basically like fuck you halifax fuck you halifax like that's it's kind a of what great <laughs> it's a great juxtaposition yeah absolutely of the happy music with the ang- essentially angry lyrics 
So I just wish I liked the song more. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, we listen to it. I enjoy it, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's the bottom half of rock spectacle for sure. Oh, so the one, the only thing I also want to mention is it kind of brings us back up, you know, on that roller coaster of the flow. Yeah, you know, we had we yeah. had when I fall, Jane. Oh, well, Jane was kind of like a poppier stuff, but like Break Your Heart was kind of slower. Jane brought a little bit more. When I Fall went really kind of slow and deep. And then we kind of poppy bit back up with Hello City. And then we kind of dip back down again for the next one. Uh, which is called What a Good Boy. I couldn't tell that I was wrong. A chicken duck and a pen and a paper. I sat down and I wrote this song. I couldn't tell. actually enjoyed this song i really love this song mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons one in broad speaking terms um i do like um that it does kind of it brings us down from hello city but it does it's not we're not going so far down as like when i fall mm-hmm. um it's a it's a nice uh, i'll use this word again that's juxtaposition against the word the ones that it's around also mm-hmm. the one that comes after this yeah um also i think this has one of the greatest climaxes out of all the songs on this album. So the climax of the song at the very, very, towards the very, very end, when uh, they're kind of redoing, they're sort of rehashing the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have in the beginning, like, when you were born, they looked at me and said, what a good girl, what a song. And then they rehash it oh, towards yeah. the end and they stop and they build the whole thing and he gets into that big, he gets his that big emotion. boy voice. He does that emotion the same kind he did in that other one, yeah. It, it, it The climax of that song, which happens at that point, just, it gets me every single, just like, you know, hair standing up when I hear good music can do that to me when it can f- physically make my body react. Yeah. It's really, really good. And and this song does it at that point. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I do. I love, I love um, how much he is really putting into it at that point. Uh, yeah. I put this as one of my, another one of my favorites on the album. Um, it's not as big to me as mm-hmm. when I fall, but it is a, it's, it's up there. Um, and yeah, you can just another one, you can tell that there's depth, in this song, you know, it's, it's, there is emotion to it. There's depth to it. It's something that I think it's one of those songs that a lot of people can interpret in a lot of different ways. And, and you can kind of just, you know, you can put your own interpretation to this song and however you're feeling and however you want to feel, but this is just one of those, 
just really interesting songs. And funny enough, I think this this song was used for a commercial for that AE show for the A and E show intervention at some point. Oh. And uh, my wife, she apparently saw that commercial. And so anytime we've been on road trips or whatever, and I have this song playing, she's like, "Oh, it's the intervention song." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, she always she always equated this one to that show intervention. But um, it's yeah, it's a. It's a pretty song. It's beautiful. It's got the emotion, and you can tell that you know they're talking about people who have had to deal with some shit. Um, and I and it's uh, ah, it's it's wonderful. It's an absolutely wonderful song. Uh, all right, uh, let's go on to the next one, which was probably one of their up until one week came out mm-hmm. was probably I would say probably their most uh, uh, liked song or their their most popular song. I should yep. say. Um, as far as their radio hits go. And that is the song, The Old Apartment. Broken to the old apartment This is where we used to live Broken glass, broken hungry Broken hearts and broken bones This is where we used to live For as simple as this song is, I really like this song. Yeah, I do too. Um, it, I mean, I, I, I think part of the my, part of my attraction to it is the simplicity. You get the very simple bum bum, bum bum, bum bum. It's just basically a three chord structure. You just have mm-hmm. a three chord structure going with a very simple, uh, very simple sort of uh, harm, harmonic rhythm going on. But I love the lyrics. It, it, it gives off sort of a stalker vibe. Like this guy is kind of stalking his ex, although the the they have said that that's not what it's about. It does kind of sound like that. It does exactly because he keeps he he even says I broke into our old apartment, um, and he keeps kind of talking about you know how things have changed, how whoever you know he keeps kind of referring to how you've changed things or whatnot. Um, so he's he's kind of going over his old life with his ex in that apartment. And yeah, I agree. It does get those vibes. Apparently, it's not. Apparently, it's just about so, like somebody who maybe the narrator went to this old apartment. And he's seeing the changes mm-hmm. um, that the new tenant has, and apparently, him and the girlfriend moved to another place, and they're still having a happy life. That's what I've heard is like how the real okay. story is. But it does come across that he's an angry ex, and he's pissed yeah. off that 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 things are changed. But like, I get that vibe. Yeah, exactly. He's he's both nostalgic for those those times but also angry about them and angry yeah. you know that they're changed so and but it's funny because i i understand the whole the sort of nostalgia even if he's even if he's still with the girl or however you choose to yeah. accept it um i i anytime um i've gone back to athens 
Mm-hmm. I've had a desire to sort of drive back the place by, back <laughs> by the places I've ever. In fact, anytime I'm anywhere where I used to, you know, live somewhere, you just kind of you go there and you all of a sudden you get, you get flooded with the memories mm-hmm. of all this stuff. Um, the last time I was in Atlanta, um, um, this would have been like three years ago or so, I think. Uh, I drove by my old high school because uh, they're tearing it down. Oh, they, I didn't know that they tore Milton down. Yeah, they oh. built they built a new building several years ago. Okay, and a different location, and they turned that school into like an alternative school, and then the city of of Alpharetta or whatever decided they were just going to tear it down. Mm-hmm. So they were they were about to tear it down like in in the next month or so. So we drove by there and just kind of. I just kind of drove into the parking lot and and just you know I didn't we didn't get out and walk around. The building was closed, like it was already basically locked down and couldn't be used for anything. But like I walk, you know, I just drove by and just all of these memories, you know, for a building that's no longer there now. Mm-hmm. So I can never go back and, and revisit it. And I I totally understand sort of the nostalgia of the past, whether or not the, the memories are good or bad. Um, there there is sort of the especially especially if it's something when you were a kid because it seems like it was such a simpler time. Um, have you ever driven? Uh, you probably don't remember because you, you were very young when you left that place. Um, do you remember the old Samaritan house? That's not the place. That not that's not the Elm Street house. And no, 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 the one that was behind the hospital. Sorry, no, this is I great don't... podcasting for. Yeah, I know. Who, uh... No, I mean, I, I, I know, I remember of it, but my first yeah. memories come from the 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 ranch brick house on uh, I think it was Elm Street or whatever it was in coming, not the one behind the hospital, the one where we had the next two. The, that old guy who lived next to us who shot mom's car. That was the Samar- That was the one on Samaritan. Oh, Samaritan, the not home. Oh, yeah, that's the. Uh, then I remember it. Yeah. Okay. Of I've driven by that house a few times, and it's still there, and it still his largely name? looks the same. Was that that, guy, that old guy? Who yeah, shot that him? was the old. That was the old kook who yeah. lived next. He's to us. probably dead He's now. Probably could... dead now. Thank God. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> sorry. I'm sure people are loving our little random family reminiscing on this oh yeah I, well i forgot the name of the house or for the road or the road but i i have vivid memory of like that house yeah, and, the was, layout, and some of the layout Samaritan and like, drive the outside look of it too yeah i just i have all these memories of you know all the stuff growing there i'm glad we left that area i'm not gonna lie yeah um it wasn't necessarily a great it was getting worse actually the area mm-hmm. itself but anyway the whole point the whole point of that insane diatribe uh was i understand the the nostalgia of, of thinking about your past um, mm-hmm. I do the same thing in Athens, you know, whenever I go back to Athens of uh, all the places I lived when I was in college, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and go on to the next one, which is called Life in a Nutshell. She was three. Her Barbies always did it on the first day. And now she's with me. So there's never any need for them to demonstrate. She's like a baby. I'm like a cat. When we're happy, we both can So this one, uh, in one way, I kind of equate to uh, Hello City. It's kind of a fun little upbeat yeah. poppy song. On the other hand, I actually think it's a better song than Hello City. Um, mm-hmm. I like the lyrics a little bit more in this one, personally. 
Um, it's it's a good filler song, getting us from one to the next. It's not you know one I seek out. If I if I'm and if I happen if I happen to be seeking out a song in the album, but it's a it's a fun filler. Yeah, I agree. It is it is exactly fun filler. I I similarly put it yeah in that same category, but just a little bit more elevated than the Hello Cities, than the Janes, etc. Um, it's it's fun. It's adorable. It's lighthearted than you know than more than some of the previous ones that we've had. You know, just about loving this kind of wonderful girl, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to call out, I think this this song has the best opening lyric out of any of them in the album, which is, <laughs> she was three, her Barbies always did it on the first date, and now she's with me. <laughs> it's just a, it's just like, that's so silly and cute, and it's just like, yeah, like, you know, kids, kids, are, you know, they're not like doing graphic sex with their Barbies, but they're like, oh, and here's our, right. their little Barbie baby or whatever, and that kind of shit, and it's just right. like... Yeah, that's just <laughs> that's just how kids play with shit, and it's just like, oh, you know yep. what? That's awesome. Great line. Uh, I I really don't have any more to add about the song. No, me neither. It's it's a fun. It's a good. It's it is filler wholeheartedly. It's lighthearted, but um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the penultimate song, which is called "These Apples." Friend brought me flowers. She said they were lilacs. Never been good with plants. Next present. A new dictionary She circled the word romance Enthusiastic A little bit drastic Shaped her name in my head As she beheld it She said I misspelled it Need more be said These apples are delicious As a matter of fact they are She said I totally dig the bass in this song, dude. I had the same note. Like, <laughs> I didn't notice the bass on in the pre on the previous stuff, but I mean, I'm sure it did some great stuff as you were calling out. Yeah. But when I was just listening to this one, and then I just like heard what the bass was doing, I was like, "Damn, that's a good bass." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean that this really this really they really uh, uh, let Jim Ke- uh, sorry it's Cregan except it keeps saying Keegan it's Cregan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Jim, they really let him fly on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really awesome fills in between. Really, just really interesting choices on yeah. on his part. Yep. I mean, this is another kind of cute, fun, silly sounding song. Um, yeah. You know, but it's it's uh, got good stuff to it. Good lyrics. From looking into those lyrics, you know, it, it seems like it could be about a relationship that's doomed from the beginning. Um, it might mm-hmm. even might even kind of be tying into potentially Adam and Eve. Obviously there's the whole Apple thing with Adam and Eve and like dooming them from paradise, that kind of stuff. So maybe there's yep. aspects of that. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a fun and that, that, that base has got me grooving through it. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's fun. I kind of throw it in this with another filler one with the life in a nutshell and that stuff. But, but it's yeah. a, it's a damn good filler. I do like. I always found it fun, and I think "fun" is probably the adjective I'll use for that. The part in the chorus where he throws in a whole bunch of words really, really fast. You know, you got mm. these apples are delicious. As a matter of fact, they are. She said, like yeah. just boom, 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 <laughs> yeah. boom, boom. He's running yeah. off. Song. It's like oh, it's like oh, I got to get these words out really, really fast. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it it works because this song is a lot of that. It's it's really quick and then slows down. And really mm-hmm. quick, and, and I don't mean like the tempo. I just mean like the pacing of the rhythms that they've chosen to do with with this stuff. They're just kind of like short bursts. Yeah, short bursts of stuff. Well, they're they're yeah, their style really does fit. Like you don't have to just do that. You know, every lyric 
for every song like has to fit exactly in like a you know certain syllable fact like yeah you know certain syllable this one has to have four syllables and this one has to have six syllables and this one has to have four and this one like they can do whatever they want because they have some of that that you know silliness to them and however right. if, as long as they sing it and it and it you know um you know in in kind of that that vein it works really well and i wholeheartedly agree uh all right and that uh that actually brings us to the end mm-hmm. officially still, i mean only 11 that's that's pretty yeah that's not super short but that's short enough yeah it's short enough um and it the song is labeled and i'll introduce it as such as as uh, the song, which is probably one of their most beloved songs, especially when they play live, mm-hmm. uh, which is called If I Had a Million Dollars. If I had a million dollars If I had a million dollars well, I'd buy you a house well, I would buy you a house and If I had a million dollars well, If I had a million dollars Buy you furniture House. And maybe a nice Chesterfield or an ottoman. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a cake car, a nice reliant automobile. And if I had a million dollars, I'd buy a So what they do, what they actually did is they start with a song called Grade Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recognize, I don't know the song. I haven't listened to, I haven't looked to see if it was on a song off one of their albums or something else. Yeah. Um, but it does seem to work with what they were doing for Had a Million Dollars. So I think they're sort of teasing the audience here because they mm-hmm. only really do like the first like verse and part of a chorus and then they go straight into if i had a million dollars yeah it's not like a smooth super smooth transition they basically just like cut grade nine off and then easy to just go right into if i had a million dollars but but it flows because they're obviously using yeah. like the same chords or, or the same you know chord progression or whatever uh, it's in the same key right. that's a word um yeah <laughs> and all that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> yes key yes uh apparently and apparently the the grade nine song was written by jim cregan and his brother andy and apparently andy was the original keyboard player oh. for the band okay cool so uh I don't, i'm not sure when he when he left or what happened there but you know i mean from from what i heard i really have no interest in going to find the song I mean, it's fun <laughs> add in there but yeah yeah i mean if i, mean, I had a million dollars is a much bigger better well-known song um and grade yeah. nine's fine but I mean, I'll go. Yeah. I'll, I'll go listen to it, John, and I'll let you know if it's worth it or not. Okay, there, okay. there we go. Thank you. Do my yeah. work for me. Yeah. Um, th- this song, uh, you know, um, uh, having been to a live show, whenever it, when it got played, everyone went crazy. Everyone sang along. Probably people sang along with this song more than any other one. Yeah. Uh, partially, partially because it's been it's been a staple of their live show live show for a while. Also, it's much easier to sing than like one week. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a fast song. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and while people can probably sing the chorus of one week fine, it's very hard to memorize and sing the verses. Uh, which unfortunately, uh, which in contrast to this one, you can sing the whole thing just fine. It's very simple, yeah. very predictable melody, and it works well with the sort of the sort of silly 
context that they're going for in the song. Exactly. I mean, this is just a very silly, lighthearted song about having a million dollars, all the things you would do. And perfect for that group, you know, call out yeah. is is when they do some of the lines like, you know, oh, um, if I had a million dollars, I would buy a monkey. Haven't you always wanted a monkey? Like silly stuff. <laughs> to this day, I think our sister will still like sing that and like loves that line. <laughs> Um, and then another line that I feel like always gets chanted out, you know, on their live shows, which I have not seen, but I would imagine is the craft mm-hmm. dinner line. You know, we wouldn't have to oh, eat yeah. craft dinner, but we would that kind of thing. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Also it's just, it's the, fun... uh, they have, they have one where, you know, he says, I'd buy you a fur coat, but not a real fur coat. That's cruel. And uh-huh. then that line comes back later when he's like, I'd buy you a green dress, not a real green dress. That's cruel. Yeah. That's another just... <laughs> one that got shouted out pretty good. Yeah, it did. And then, yeah, exactly. That's that's great crowd participation, and it's fun. It's just yeah. like a little. It's almost like an inside joke with that with the green dress one. Uh, speaking of inside jokes, uh, kind of in the middle of the song, they kind of break. They keep the music going, but they kind of break to kind of uh, reference some something, mm-hmm. and it gets a great crowd reaction. So there's obviously something that happened uh, in this show that we're not hearing, and it, which makes it interesting, like why they chose to use uh-huh. this particular um, performance of the song. I don't know if they thought maybe this was the best performance and got the best crowd reaction out of all of the versions that they did, but then they had it to, I I think that my question is, did they put the little extra thing at the end because of the version of If I Had a Million Dollars they chose to use, or did they really just want to put the story in there so they decided to, that it would be fun to reference that story by using that version? Yeah. I'm sure they probably, I'm sure they probably used that that same story throughout every show. Man. Well, then they're like, telling me they're, they're lying. You think he's lying to every show that he met this sweet old woman backstage on every show, John comics do it. Damn it. You're right. They do. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think that they definitely added it just so, I mean, I, I hope to think that it, it was an actual thing. And then they added it at the end of this one, just so to give the listener, more context to what that one line was about, about that old right. old woman backstage or whatever. Uh, and that technically brings us to the end of the album. And if you, like me, um, had the digital version, I do have the physical CD somewhere mm-hmm. uh, because I remember having it. And actually the physical CD, actually, like uh, if you put it in your computer, it had like some videos and other stuff yeah, on it. It was kind of like did. an enhanced CD. Um, but uh, the digital version, if you just buy it off of iTunes, does not have... These sort of pseudo oh. uh, hidden tracks. Interesting. Okay, I must have ripped mine from the live album because I have the pseudo. Probably, track. I mean, you probably did. Yeah, yeah, because mine did not. Okay, mine did not have that. Yeah, my my. If I had a million dollars, is like a a nine and a half minute track because it's just it waits yeah. for it and then it goes into those. So I, yeah, I had to go back. I knew there was a hidden track, so I had to go online and find the hidden track. Oh, okay, and listen to it because I'm I'm not sure where my CD is. I'm pretty sure I still might have it. I. I tend to save a lot of this. I still have old DVDs and CDs because I like mm-hmm. still having physical copies just in case, you know, in case yeah. the apocalypse happens. Well, I, yeah, internet's going <laughs> to go down and it goes down sometimes or when you're moving and you haven't set it up. I like to have my movies and my music ready and everyone who's like, yeah. well, just stream it. And it's like, I'm sorry, data's not always around, motherfuckers. What happens when you're yeah. camping or something and you still want to listen to music? Suck it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, so then we get a hidden track, which is kind of twofold. Um, the first thing you get is a kind of this story that relates to the reference from the song, If I Had a Million Dollars, where he talks about a, a, a woman that he met 
Um, apparently she came up and asked him for directions and he didn't know. And she was not appreciative of the fact that he didn't know uh, because he's, he even says, he's like, I'm not from around here. Well, and- well, <laughs> that's what she said. Oh, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> angry at something, angry at someone for something that is out of their control. Well, I, so I had something similar happen to me one time. Oh, really? Well, yeah, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't out of town, but so I was living in, I was in, in LA. Um, and actually it was actually, you were there. Dad was there. We went to the La Brea tar pits. Oh yeah. And at one point, like this lady was uh, kind of pulled up to me. I guess I was away from you guys or something. I don't know. Uh, but this lady kind of pulled up and said, uh, pardon me. Do you know how to get to whatever? And I, I didn't have my phone on me. I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. I live up in the Valley. I, I don't, I don't really know exactly where that is here. And she was like, oh, thanks. It's like, nobody knows anything here. She said something like that. And I was just like, fuck you, bitch. Turn on Google maps. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of places in LA. I don't know every single one of them. Yeah. LA is a big, I, big area. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, like you, you have a phone use fucking, you know, Apple maps or Google maps or whatever. Like it's not hard. So yeah. that, that pissed me off. So I understand. Yeah. I understand what Ed uh, Robertson was dealing with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you get this sort of kind of weird ad-libbed track yeah. about, uh, I think it's Ed Robertson's Uncle Elwin. Uncle Elwin, which yeah. I really hope that that's that guy's name. Elwin is such a, seems like such a farmer name. Well, I think, I think Ed Robertson, yeah. Uh, his full name is Lloyd Edward Elwin Robertson. So he even shares the okay. name with his uncle Elwin. <laughs> okay. Did you say his first name is Lord? Lloyd. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, that's presumptuous of the uh... <laughs> Lord. Uh, all right, and that's uh, that takes us to the end of the yeah. to the album. And the, um, that hidden track, I just want to say, meh. That's really my only note on the uncle yeah. Elwin one. It's like a, it's just like a fun little extra thing, but yeah. I'm not mad that they cut it out. <laughs> Cut it yeah. out of the digital one. <laughs> yeah, it's fair not. Enough. It really doesn't add anything to it. Yep. Uh, Adam, final thoughts. This is an album I always keep in my rotation. Um, I listen to it on road trips, as I mentioned. I listen to it on anything where I, you know, feel like I want to listen to an album from start to finish. This is in that debate almost always in my head. Um, this was a fantastic album to introduce Bare Naked Ladies to us. Like, I'm so glad I liked this album before. Like. I don't know. I don't remember if I knew this album before one week or not, like when we exactly got it. Cause I think it was you who got, this wasn't our mom's album. Like you had this album or Abby or yeah, somebody. So. And that's how I was introduced to it. But I'm so glad that I have this compared to one week. Cause I don't hate one week, but one week mm-hmm. is meh. This one is absolutely phenomenal. In my opinion, it's fun. It's quirky. You get some depth into it when you really want it as well. Um, I, I'm such a fan of this one, and I prefer, same with you, I prefer the band with Stephen Page in it because they really do fill each other out completely. They're a yeah. more complete band that way. And um, overall, you know, this is this is one that I feel like you, me, and my sister, our sister, yeah. all, like, the three of us have a, just a, a total love for this album, like, together. It's not like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say, like, any one of us, like, really, really loves it way more than the other person. We all have this appreciation yeah. for rock spectacle. Um, and and it's something that we can all bond over pretty much forever. So. I agree. I totally agree. Um, and I, I can honestly, I cannot remember how I came upon this album. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like who turned it on to me? Oh, I did. There was one story I wanted to, to say. I'll kind of throw it here at the end. Um, so when I was in high school, this probably would have been about 96 or 97, maybe around the time of that they were doing this tour. Uh, they came to Atlanta. Um, I didn't really know. I knew of the band, really knew nothing about the band. Um, but there was, I would say, acquaintance. I would not call him a friend. He he mm-hmm. was he was in the choir, so it was sort of that sort of we had that sort of performing arts mm. acquaintanceship. Like he knew who I was, I knew who he was. We had a couple of classes together, but we didn't really like we weren't really friends. But he uh, got on the radio because the band was playing in Atlanta, but Stephen Page was not there because his wife was having a baby, mm. and so. He wasn't there, so they brought people on stage from the audience to sing the old apartment. They let they had like three people to sing it. Um, he was the last one, and the two people in front of him were okay. He nailed it, <laughs> nice. Like so much so that the DJs were raving about him uh, <laughs> on the radio the next morning. And I remember like his 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 parents or something recorded it, recorded the radio um, mm-hmm. kind of reaction, and then he was. Uh, people were asking to listen to because I, I happened to walk by. He's like, hey, John, come listen to this. So it would, they didn't have a recording of him singing, I don't mm-hmm. think. But I just remember they were talking about him on the radio. And I was like, oh, that's cool, man. You got pulled on. The band loved what you did. Uh, that's cool. He was a good singer. I think he was he was a little bit of a douche, personally. Mm-hmm. But he was a good <laughs> singer. So Okay. But anyway, uh, I really don't have too much to add as far as, as the album goes. I love this album. It's still been in my rotation. I'll listen to it all the way through. It's super fun. It's super great. The band is amazing. I've seen them live. I'd go back and see them again. I'd love to see Stephen Page with them so you can get really the full experience. But um, if you ever get a chance to see this band live, take it. They're amazing. Couldn't say it better myself. And that was our review of the album Rock Spectacle by Bare Naked Ladies. Please join us next time as we are joined by Christopher Hollister from the Trivial Warfare podcast to break down the 1986 movie Transformers the movie, discuss the 80s cartoon series Transformers, and cast our version of the comic books franchise Young Avengers. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.